back to Yes X or No Audio. Well, hello everybody. <laughs> it's Saturday, November the 18th, 2023, approaching 2 o'clock in the afternoon here on the Eastern Seaboard of Australia. And I've just had a bit of a listen to the most recent uh, program by Alex Christoforo, in which what he does is basically uh, covers a couple of little things and then he gets into this article, which he has an absolute ball covering it's called it's time to end magical thinking about russia's defeat by eugene rummer and andrew s weiss from the wall street journal in which as uh christopher characterizes it the uh the neocons admit defeat uh, essentially what it is is a narrative reframing so they go oh well you know there were these things like the uh the spring summer fall winter summer spring again whatever that offensive that was meant to be the big solution ah yeah that was magical thinking and then uh oh the wonder weapons first there was this and then there was that but that that was magical thinking too and uh yeah that there would be a a palace coup i love it how they use the word palace to refer to the kremlin i mean it's a nice place but the hinting sort of you know mythological old you know the king will get it's like it's a democracy you dicks <laughs> like they actually have proper elections. I know it's Russia and you, everyone, you know, be a little uh, suspicious. But, you know, they have elections that are uh, no, well, less rigged than yours. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> anyway, so Christopher goes down this thing reviewing this article. And, OK, so all the neocons admit that, oh, that was a fuck. Oh, OK, that's all magical thinking. And then he goes, oh, but they decided to hang on to all of these, you know, myths about the fact that, the, you know, in the first phase of the, of the, the Ukraine war, the... the uh, Russians were defeated at the borders of Kiev and Kiev bravely defended itself as though that wasn't actually Putin saying, look, here, Zelensky, come to the negotiating table. Let's sort this shit out. And which would have worked if it weren't for, you know, Boris Clown Johnson and the rest of them, whatever. And they hang on to a, a few more myths too. And the interesting bit about this is that I, I, whenever people do this this thing about saying, oh, you know, because he goes on, oh, we were right all along, which they were, uh, but they miss the frame, as far as I can see it, because then what happens is the Wall Street Journal rolls out the, here's what we should do now, which is containment. And the first thing to do with containment is we have to reinvest in all of the, you know, military, blah, 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 uh, you know, and ramp up production. Because what's happened? Oh, that was another myth, uh, which was we were telling you that Russia was going to run out of all these armaments and so forth. But bugger me dead, Russia is outproducing the entire West. How the hell did that happen? What? We've been lying to? No, I didn't say that. We, that was magical thinking. What? Who cares? They're doing narrative reframing, right? And one of the things that sort of got to me was Christopher misses the thing at the very beginning, which is that, yeah, sure, that's all narrative bullshit, and we knew that, but what's going on underneath is just continued funding for the US industries that they fund straight out of the trough of government. It's the arms industry. That's what they do. That was the success all the way along. And the new, this is what we should do, narrative reframing is we should continue to fund the military-industrial complex. He sort of gets there in the end, but he misses it from the beginning. This is the entire story. Apart from, you know, Biden and various other kleptocrats making money along the way and all of the corruption in Ukraine and fucking arms ending up God knows where all over the place, like the heavy artillery and the um, drug cartels in Mexico and shit like this. I mean, it's all just arms... <laughs> industry funding so he sort of misses that which i thought was a bit you know anyway so the key point about this little thing is to look at that article he does a good job in selecting components out of it and saying oi look at this look at this look at this which is good so this i think is a 
par excellence example of narrative reframing. So I'll give the reference to both the video from Christoforo and the article below. Check out the article and look at it from a narrative reframing perspective and understanding that the core motivation has not changed. It's been about funding US industry the whole way along. This is to go back to the analysis which was first put forward by Professor Wolin and then taken up by Chris Hedges, which is the inverted totalitarianism thing, right? It's just a modern version of it. That's what the US has been all along. They, They preferentially fund their industries for the various rich families, and that's how this shit works. Everybody who's looked at this in any detail knows that to be the case, and this is no exception. Whatever's happening at the narrative level, it's just bullshit for the idiots. You know, that's the whole point. And the best person in terms of ripping this shit apart is Caitlin Johnston. She is, she's so good at not only seeing through it, but expressing how stupid it is. So, uh, good job, Alex uh, Christopher, although you're a little slow to get to the point, which is all the narrative is irrelevant. They have been succeeding all along because the entire mission was that the kleptocrats still make, <laughs> keep making a lot of money and the industries that support this crazy foreign policy, particularly the military-industrial complex, and the other hangers-on and so forth that, you know, bribe the Congress and so Yeah, they get the money. That's how it works, right? Nothing's changed. It's all going to be the same. And the, the advice that they, they hand out, apart from investing in the military-industrial complex, is to keep going with the sanctions, which Christopher Whiteley points out. Look, that worked terribly. Not at all last time. But we're going to keep doing that because of what? Okay, fine, what? And, the, and, the, and the, the narrative is that this will, you know, we have to continue to isolate Russia. When, as we know, Russia is not isolated at all. There are two things that are looming the US right smack in the face, and they won't talk about either of them, and they are BRICS, but much more importantly, the SCO. And nobody ever talks about it because that's the fucking problem. <laughs> They're trying to gin up a war in, in China because that's all they know how to do. So the problem is, as I've mentioned before, there aren't any decent strategic thinkers in the foreign policy think tank, you know, bribery forums in the US. They're, or if there are any decent ones, they're not allowed in. Because essentially, as, as I see it, there's only one path forward for the US, and that is the New World Order looks like as follows. China and the people who are its friend, friends, and they are right now, the senior members of the SEO. So that's Russia. Iran uh, will be a major player. Um, who else have you got? And then you've got the orbits around uh, around Russia. So that'll be, you know, Belarus and, and Kazakhstan's really important. And then the little stars, they're very important too because they're critically important for the uh, BRI project. And that's what this whole damn thing is about. So there are, and there are the, at the, from the BRICS people, there's the, second, the other key second-tier players. And they are India, without a doubt, and Brazil. Very, very, very important. The idea is the US, if it puts its two brain cells together and rubs them hard enough, it'll come up with the understanding that it can be a key second-tier player. That is the thing. Or they can keep doing this, run wars, and all the rich people will make more money, and then they'll leave the US because it's all going to be wrecked. They're going to leave a carcass behind. That's what's going to happen. And that, what's that going to do in the US? Oh, God knows. And it's not good. So the question is, can they work this shit out? We'll find out. Anyway. So good job to Alex uh, for picking up that article and shining his light on it to say, ah, ah, they've declared what the new thing is. This is the new narrative, right? It's just a narrative shift. 
They, they haven't defeated, they haven't been defeated or lost in any way whatsoever. No, 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 no. They've succeeded very well in funding the military-industrial complex, which was the entire purpose all along, and they're going to continue to do that. Nothing's fucking changed. So there we are. Good article, uh, good effort by uh, Christoforo. Analysis, pretty good. A little too much crowing in my view, but fair enough. Um, and the key thing is the article. There was another piece of geopolitical chicanery which uh, caught my attention. Well, it was analysis even. And again, Christopher was involved, but this time with his partner in geopolitical analytical crime, Mercurius on the Duran. And in this, Mercurius did what Mercurius does very well. He provided some analysis of the meeting between Xi Jinping and President Biden in California. And up front, Christopher says, well, what, what seems to have happened is that the, the Yanks are trying to prevent a third crisis from having to manage all three of them. I mean, they've got the Ukraine project just, just falling apart left, right and centre, and then you know, all this crap going on in the Middle East and the whole of the rest of the world's uniting behind the Palestinians and pointing their fingers at the Israelis as genocidal maniacs, and the US is somehow trying to side with them. It's like, OK, this is not good. So the last thing they need is a is a crisis, you know, in um, in the what do they call it, the Indo-Pacific bullshit in the Western Pacific. So that's what this is all about, isn't it, Mr. Macurus? And Mr. Macurus says, well, actually, no. There's another explanation too. And then, like a good storyteller, keeps us hanging. Uh, and he begins by doing what he does so well, which is the analysis of the meeting. And what he points out is that, first of all, we see that a whole host, a whole sequence of dignitaries have been voyaging off to China, to Lua, the Xi Jinping, to the summit in California. Um, you know, we've had Blinken lights and Yellen and... Was the Newsom, the the Californian governor, was the most recent. Anyway, just one after the other after the other, trying to encourage uh, Xi Jinping to uh, come and attend this summit. And that which Mercurius points out is how hard to get. <laughs> Good old Xi Jinping uh, played, and that is that he essentially was able to dictate the media space, i.e., control the event. There shall be no protesters. <laughs> there shall only be people supporting my visit. And second of all, it shall be not in um, where you're holding this other thing with all of the other people. It shall be out of uh, uh, San Francisco or, or Los Angeles or wherever the thing is. It shall be away. And it shall be just you and me. Right? So that I shall take the light. And it shall be before everyone else too. <laughs> so that the whole media thing is, is about the spectacle from the Chinese perspective. So they get to control the imagery that is released. Interesting. So hard to, to get, did they play, that they managed to actually do this. Uh, and the other point which Christopher mentions is a very important one. There is, a, there is the post-meeting press conference and the content of the meeting, which we'll get to in a moment, but afterwards there is a, a gathering of the big financial movers and shakers in the US, and they're all there gathered around being very happy, you know, celebrating the fact that Xi Jinping has come and so forth, which is to say that the political power players, i.e. The, the party donors, are telling 
whoever runs, whichever puppet's in power in the US, that you will not <laughs> fuck this up. We want good relations with these people because we're making quite some money. Where do you think the iPhones are made, mate? So, so Cook from Apple was there, and like lots of other ones. Same with um, was name Musk. You know, where do you think we're making half of the bloody stuff for the electric vehicles in China, you idiot? Anyway, so there's that. And then he looks at um, what happens in terms of the readout, and the readout that he notes is quite interesting. That that they're at cross purposes. So the Chinese readout is all about the commitments that Biden made in the meeting in Indonesia about a year ago for the G20. That's what they're talking about in their reader. And what are the US talking about? Just standard talking points, nothing specific at all. So there's no line-up between the two readouts, which is an interesting thing. And what that tells you is that Biden had fuck all to say. He was basically being controlled uh, by Blinken lights or whoever. Uh, And that's further evidenced, uh, as McCruis describes, uh, by the press conference afterwards, which is a complete shit show. I mean, Biden completely balls it up completely, makes a complete fool of himself. So you can see what comes out of that in terms of media. So it's all about the stateliness of Xi Jinping and how much of a fool Biden is. That's what comes out of it. So for that reason, you'll see very little coverage of this in, in any sort of sensible <laughs> manner from the Western media, because it all just makes Xi Jinping look good and nobody wants to do that. But of course, it will be played up heavily in China and in the BRICS slash SEO media, because it makes Xi Jinping look very good. So there we go. So there is, this is the point that finally, Makuris gets around to revealing. He says, well, there's another thing that, that's going on here. And that is that uh, the US economy is, uh, it's in tatters, I tell you, it's in tatters. <laughs> <laughs> to use a, a Christophoru phrase, you know, they're heavily in debt, right? And they need to uh, essentially borrow money to pay for the government. You know, they'll, so every year they do that. Oh my God, the government's going to fall out. And then suddenly the money appears. And how does that happen? Because they can print money. And why can they print money? Because people are buying their treasury bonds. So who's the head salesman or saleswoman in this case for US treasury bonds? It's Secretary of, <laughs> of whatever she is, economics, blah, 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 Janet Yellen. Who the hell met Xi Jinping at the airport? Janet Yellen. So that's a nice piece of analysis that Makuris puts in there. The US are in deep shit. How about that? And this is one of the key things, right? Essentially, I'm fairly certain there's a little bit of a quid pro quo going on here, which is you come and and visit and we'll make all nice for you. Uh, and, and, you know, there'll be the political thing and the readouts and whatever and we'll, you know, see what happens there. But, um, yeah, and China said, okay, yeah, we'll come, but you have to make nice. And, okay, and we'll buy some treasury bonds. <laughs> That's it. And you have to understand that China holds trillions of US dollars in treasury bonds and they could sell them all like that and the US economy would be... <laughs> the US politically would be sort of economically... So what one can see here is that China really holds all the cards. The US wants to feed its industry and make a war with China, and that's what they're saying in their strategic documents about the big enemy is, no, no, it's not Russia, it's China. Yeah, okay, fair enough. But they can't really do anything about it. They've got the... So the industrial complex wants a war because that's how they make their money, and so right now what they're doing is just selling weapons to Taiwan as a way of, you know, provoking things and making some money on the side and whatever and da-da-da-da-da. So that's going on, and there's the political, you know, CAA and USAID are doing their things in Taiwan to create political trouble and so forth, you know, da-da-da-da-da, let's see what we can do. 
But the US power elite are saying to whoever's you know, controlling Congress at the time and whoever holds, you know, ex- head of the executive branch, don't you screw with this shit because it's important to us. This is where we're making all of our stuff, right? The only manufacturing industries that are really happening in the US, apart from the weapons industry, are things like Apple with the iPhones and where the hell do you think that's made? And, um, and the electric cars by Musk, where do you think that's made? So it's quite interesting. So the US is, the government has got, the, the Fed has got a problem. Fed's not the government, as you know, it's a private banking cartel, but that's another matter. They've got a lot of problems because the the national economy is sort of fucked up. They've got a massive debt to GDP ratio. It's not getting any better, it's getting worse. And the only way they can keep this thing going is by selling treasury bonds. And China sort of got them there because they've got a lot of those treasury bonds. And so they're being nice. They're saying, all right, you make nice for us, we'll come and visit and we'll buy some treasury bonds. But you have to make nice. And Macarus gets to this point at the end. So this is the point. So you've got, at the moment, looking at the world politically, who's got the military tech? That's Russia. Who's got the trading power? That's still with the US. Don't believe anyone who says that, you know, the other you know, countries can, can counter this. They can't yet. But this dominance of, the, of international trade in US dollars is slowly being whistled away. And that's the trajectory. And it's not changing. It's just going to continue in that manner and it's going to get worse and worse for the US. So they've got this massive deficit, it's getting worse, they're losing, losing control of international trade, they don't have the military tech dominance anymore and they are right now because of their behaviour in uh, supporting Israel in the Middle East, they're losing all of their political influence too. That's how bad things are. And those of us who've been talking about this for a while couldn't quite predict what was going to be the major thing that turned the corner. I thought Ukraine was going to be the thing. And it, it, it mattered a lot because it cemented those, those non-US uh, trade relations because of the sanctions against Russia. However, what we're seeing now is a pol- geopolitical, political disaster for the US because of what Israel is doing. And as every analyst agreed, no one could predict what, that Hamas was going to do this or that it was going to be that wildly successful. So it turns out that the, the, what's really undermined the US is their reflexive reaction to support Israel, because they have to, because of the threat of APAC. So the US is being undermined by Israel, and, and it's not a controlled thing. It's completely out of the blue. There you go. Interesting stuff. Who would have thunk? <laughs> what's, the, what's the fulcrum upon which the world turns? The Middle East, yet again. Anyway... There's two articles for you, or two um, uh, podcasts, or whatever you want to call them, both of which involve Alex Christopher. Good on him, but this case, it, on the second one, it was Macurus who provided, I think, the key analysis there, and that is all this shit is about US Treasury bonds. That's what's going on. Well spotted, Macurus. So, links below. Have a good one. Ciao. Until next time. Mm-hmm.